Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge, brought to you by the world's leading underground construction equipment company, Ditch Witch, proud to support the sports you love. I'm Steve Brigman, and I'm joined, as always, by the host of Bass Edge Television, Aaron Martin. What's up, Aaron? I am doing well, Steve, other than the fact that I've had to have my raincoat on the last several days, but we'll get into that a little bit later, because we have Tom Mann Jr. talking about one of the topics, I think, that most anglers often uh, want to adopt into their daily routine, and that is the topic of consistency. Then a little bit later, we're going to be heading out to join Cody Robertson of the Army Bass Anglers for an update there. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a good one. Let's get it started. Get her like that one, boy. Good job. Yeah, I don't know of any other sport that offers the challenge of bass fishing, buddy. Oh, did you see Yes, that? I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> Watch for the fish to pace the bait. What do you think of that, huh? Yeah. That's full contact fishing right Man. there. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Well, Aaron, you mentioned in an email that uh, you did get to spend a little time out on the lake this week. It's been pretty crazy weather. When did you go? I actually went Sunday, and you, uh, of course, described that to the T. I spent some time out on the lake, and that was about it, Steve. As you well know, uh, uh, the weather has been changing, and on Sunday, we had about – it was one of those weird deals. You know, I've, I'm kind of a weather nut. I like to study trends and, and everything that's going on. But uh, on Friday, I looked – I've got that little uh, deal on my phone, you know, where I can look at the weather and see what's going on with the radar and the wind and all that stuff. Mm, on, yeah, I know. What did we do before all that came along? I know. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> I probably had a lot more time. But uh, anyway, no, on Friday, the wind came out of the southwest. And then on Saturday, it switched to the north and also a little bit out of the west. And then on Sunday, we had a dead east wind of about 20 miles an hour. So the wind has blown, uh, you know, for the entire time. But anyway, regardless, I wanted to get out. You know, they have that old adage about that the wind out of the east, the fish bite the least. And uh, I I don't normally buy into that type of stuff, but I can tell you one thing. It sure proved uh, to be true on Sunday because I went out and tried to identify some docks. You know, I'm thinking that this time of year, like we talked about last week, those fish – that uh-huh. top part of the water column is starting to cool down a lot. Plus, we've had a lot of runoff. And I'm thinking, you know, that those fish are going to be moving up pretty quickly. Uh, they were there. I did was able to, to catch a few. But, uh, man, it was pretty tough. Those fish shallower then? They, they, the ones that I caught were shallower. Um, you know, I ended up catching uh, my keepers. Actually, believe it or not, you're going to like this on a spinner bait, and uh, it was cloudy, overcast. You know, had a lot of wind chop with that strong wind blowing. I just went down the bank, paralleling, uh, you know, the shoreline and keying in on big boulders and laydowns. And you know, the fish that I was catching were in two to three feet of water. Wow, man, what a difference a short time makes! <laughs> it's just a few weeks that we were out there in the deep water. But, uh, no, that sounds great. Hopefully I'll get out. It's, today it's all misty and rainy. It'd be a good day to go catch some muskies. But that's another show. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Aaron, I wanted, to, I wanted to mention, you know, when I heard you had Tom Mann Jr. on the show today, I just I couldn't help but reminisce a bit. And Because, uh, you know, when I came along fishing, and, and, and let me preface this by saying I started fishing when I was six or seven years old, so I'm not quite as old as this sounds. But Long before I, they started keeping records. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Before you could get the weather on your phone, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
uh, anyway, I was right there when the when the first plastic worms came along, and uh, you know the first ones had little spinners on them and you swam them, but it wasn't long till the old Texas rig worm uh, came down the pike and was just the you know just the main thing. And of course, uh, Tom's father was one of the main manufacturers of worms, and it was called Man's Jelly Worms. And boy, back in those days, you kept four standard colors, you know, black, purple, red, and blue, and, uh, and you Texas rigged worms. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much, uh, how it is with me these days. If I go somewhere and I don't know anything about it, I'll usually start with a, with a plastic worm. But, you know, I was thinking about that, uh, 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 fishing the Texas rig, and I know today I see so many guys pegging their worms, and I guess maybe I'm stuck uh, with the old Texas rig, but give me your take on, do you do you like to peg your worms, or, or when do you like to peg your worms? Well, I, I think it's a, a your your last part of your question there is, is more of a fit. It, it's when I like to peg my worms, um, because I think if you're fishing, let's say, you know, deep brush or a ridge or something like that that maybe has some boulders and, and some uh, structure on it, I like for that, that bullet weight to work its way up and down the line because what happens is when you pull that over you know let's say a limb then uh, your weight is going to come over first and then you know that that ribbon tail on the end of that worm acts as a rudder and it's going to go and uh, kind of you know erratically fall over that structure Mm -hmm. now if I'm throwing up against let's say something that's more vertical like a pole timber uh, you know something that is vertical in nature or a a wall or, or dragging it off of a ledge where I want that or trying to maybe even hit a hole let's say in a piece of vegetation or or a mat and I want that bait to fall straight down then yes I am absolutely going to peg it um, because I don't want that uh, you know that sinker that bullet weight getting caught up on something where it prohibits that worm from falling down into the strike zone well you know, uh, I mean, I I don't peg a whole lot of worms, but I'll tell you what, I pretty much go with the Texas rig when I can. I like the idea that the fish can grab the bait and not necessarily feel the weight as he pulls and uh, and then just the hardness of that bait. But uh, I know I'm a little behind the times. You know, I was visiting with uh, Wu Daves, and he, I mean, he act like he was crazy if you didn't pe- always peg your worms. So, uh uh, I think it makes for an interesting discussion. It absolutely does. And, you know, there again, we go right back to what we've talked about so many times. There is no one right way. A lot of it comes back to past experience and what you have confidence in. Well, that's so true. And, uh, of course, we all know <laughs> my fishing has a lot to do with our long past experience. But uh, somehow we caught fish in those days, too. So. Well, anyway, to peg or not to peg, it's a a great question. I'm sure we'll discuss it again, but uh, right now let's uh, slip away for a minute and come back and visit with Tom Mann, Jr. Hi, I'm Jamie Seifer. Stick around for more great tips from Bass Edge. Now you can harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. Introducing Electronics 101. Whether a beginner or more advanced, leading electronics instructor Mike Webb shows you how to get the most out of any sonar unit. Common problems and frequently asked questions are covered in detail. Electronics 101 also includes bonus deep fishing tips from industry pros. Master any brand graph. Electronics 101. Harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. Power, productivity, speed. It's the best trencher ever made. 
Not to mention the best plow, dumper, tiller, backhoe, stump grinder, and tool carrier ever made. The Zahn, the revolution is here. Hey, this is Aaron and we are back on the edge. I believe it's safe to say that most anglers desire consistency over the course of their year. And with us today is an angler who was the most consistent amongst his peers on the 2009 FLW Series. It is this year's Angler of the Year champion, Tom Mann Jr. Tom, welcome back to the Edge. Well, Aaron, it's uh, always uh, you know good to be on the Edge and talk to you guys, and uh, hopefully uh, you know give some uh, good fishing tips and just share the experience I've had over the year. Well, I'm confident of that, Tom. And first off, you know I got to say congratulations. What an accomplishment uh, to be awarded the Angler of the Year. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a title, uh, of course, everybody kind of strives for that. You know, I, this is my first one. I've, you know, been doing this, this uh, fishing thing for a long time. But it's, uh, you know, it's a tough title to attain. And uh, to be honest, you know, uh, I started out the year, you know, just uh, my whole goal was to, you know, qualify for that 2010 Cup on near where I live and fish, you know, um, for the last 35 years out there. Just probably got more time in that body of water than anybody. And, I just thought it would really be just a, a crime if I was not in that tournament. So I started out the year just working hard and, you know, free fishing and stuff more than I ever have just to to make sure that I finished in the top 20 on, on the tour points to, you know, qualify for that that event. And, uh, you know, it just uh, the end of the year thing just kind of came along, um, you know, uh, for just being so consistent throughout the year, I, I really, you know, I never, to be honest, I really never thought about it. I mean, uh, even up to the last day, uh, tournament director at the last uh, term of the Clark Shell tournament that I won, uh, he told me that morning, he said, you know, if you win this tournament, you win annual year by one point. <laughs> said, wow. I, well, <laughs> well, I said, you know, I'm going to go out here and, and fish hard and, you know, we'll see what happens, but. At that point, I had already attained my goal and qualified for that, you know, 2010 Cup. So, you know, it freed me up to just, uh, to just, you know, fish hard and actually, you know, then try to win the tournament. And, and uh, Lord just blessed me that day. Well, certainly did. And, you know, perhaps for our listeners, Tom, uh, who don't follow competitive fishing, maybe explain what the Angler of the Year title is and what that means basically to anglers. Well, basically what it is is, uh, you know, the most consistent uh, angler throughout the year that, uh, you know, obtained the most points throughout those uh, series of tournaments. Um, and, you know, what what it really means, uh, you know, I guess it means different things to different people. Uh, I've, you know, Aaron, I've done this for a long time, and, I've, you know, I've won some titles and tournaments and, and this and that and whatever. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I never was much accolade. I, I, you know, I don't. You know, they come and go, and it's okay. But, uh, you know, I guess, you know, probably uh, the one thing that uh, it, it, I guess it means more than anything for me is uh, it's going it, to, it'll open up an avenue for me to uh, kind of pay back my sponsors. You know, they've been with me so long through good and bad, and, uh, you know, they're just stuck behind me. And, you know, when you win a title like that or you win a tournament or whatever, you know, it gives you an opportunity to... Uh, to kind of pay back and help them out and get them more press and so on and so forth, you know, you know. So for me, I mean, that that's probably 
for me, that is the biggest uh, biggest thing for me uh, as far as hanging your goes. And, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, um, um, you know, with, with your peers out there and the guys you fish against uh, day in and day out, year in and year out. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully they, you know, they'll uh, respect you a little more, and of course, like I do them, and you know, that's that's all that's always nice. But mainly for me, it's the it's the sponsor thing. You know, I make my living purely fishing. I do nothing else, and uh, you know, you and I both know you can't do this sport without sponsors. Um, so it means a lot, and you know, it's a big way for me to pay them back. Absolutely, and you know, speaking of of the topic of, of consistency. You know, that's really, I think it's safe to say, at the forefront of, of most discussions. And, you know, we look at the definition. It's d- defined in Webster's as the ability to maintain a particular standard or repeat a particular task with minimal variation. Why do you think that most of us struggle with this on the water? Well, you know, the the first thing I'll say is, uh, as you, I don't have to tell you, uh, but the, for the viewers out there, uh, Tournament fishing is is just a tough sport. It's just not it's not easy. I mean, you know, you can you can look at the history. I've been doing it for 26 years full time, and I've seen. I mean, I can't even tell you how many you know uh, professional fishermen come and go. Uh, and the reason they go is because they're not consistent. Uh, but you know, you you can look at it, and there's probably I mean, literally, you can probably name uh, certainly on two hands, or maybe even on one hand, people that are just I mean seriously consistent you know your, your Kevin Van Dams and your you know your Rick Clums over the years Denny Briars people like that I mean really you can just name them I mean just a few of them that I'm not I'm not talking about a year or two I mean just over 20 years you know that their names are always up there always in the top 10 top 20 you know making cuts and so on and so forth um, I, I, I related a lot to golf because I'm a golfer and you know golf is a is a is a one-on-one sport I mean it's you in the golf course and it's you in the lake and the fish out there. So it's just about the same situation. Uh, so, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's a it's a hard sport. I mean, it really is. To uh, you know, everybody nowadays um, tries to, you know, I, I guarantee you, if they tell the truth about it, other than just a few few guys, they go out there and their goal is to make the top fifty and get a check. You know, number one you know, to make some money and, uh, you know, where they can uh, go on to the next tournament. Now, if you make a top 50, you're going to get a lot of points. You make a top 50 in that tournament, you're going to get a lot of points. And if you do that throughout the year, you're, you're going you're gonna to qualify, for, you know, for the Classic. You're going to qualify for the FLW Championship or whatever, you know, trail you're fishing. Uh, and that's the number one goal for everybody. But, you know, having said that, it's uh, it's just simply not, it's just not easy to do. I mean, um I've never understood, because, you know, I go out there, I'll just use myself as an example. You know, I, I feel like I'm a, a really good bass fisherman. Um, and I've, I've fished, Lord, I don't even know how many tournaments I've fished in my life, but I've been in about every situation you can get, in, get into in bass fishing. And I can just tell you, it's right when you about, you know, you think you've got that, that fishing figured out, those those fish are going to let you know you're not nearly as smart as you thought you were. Well, a- absolutely, and don't you think that uh, that carries over into even if you're not, you know, fishing tournaments? That if we're just out here recreationally fishing. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of guys. You know, they're just out there fishing every day and just trying to catch fish and have a good time. You know, they run into the exact same problems we do. Uh, you know, there's so many variables in fishing. You know, you get out there uh, one day and it's uh, overcast, not much wind. 
low pressure, man, they're just really biting their biting their top water bait or whatever, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, and you go two days later, and the front's come through, and the high blue skies, and wind's blowing, and, uh, you know, you end up saying marriage, you don't even get a bite. And uh, I think what, you know, a little bit um, happens to a lot of people is they just get caught up into wanting to do the same thing day in and day out. they got their favorite lure, they want to throw it, and they, they like to fish shallow one, and maybe they should be fishing deep, so on and so forth. And there's so many low variables, you know, that we factor in, and, and, they, and they all, they're all automatic to us because we're out there every day doing it. Uh, all those little bitty things that we throw in the, into the pot, and then it just becomes automatic to us. What we, the little moves and little changes that we need to make, you know, to, to, to make something happen out there. And sometimes, you know, for the average guy, just uh, he just doesn't do that. I mean, it's just, just because he hasn't spent the, the amount of hours and days that we have out there, uh, and I, you know it's it, it's tough. It's it's just tough to be consistent. You know, if you're an amateur or professional, I mean, it really is. Um, you know, fishing. I think that's why we like it. I really do. I think that's why you like golf, and that's why you like fishing, is because it's not easy. It's hard, and you know, you don't go out there and catch them every day. If you did, I don't think it'd be a whole lot of fun, to be honest. With well, you. exactly, and that's what I was about ready to say. Don't you find it, you know, ironic that the spontaneity and and more or less the excitement that draws us to the sport leaves most of us, uh, you know, I guess wanting or yearning for predictability. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've, I've always said this. <clears throat> I truly believe this in my heart. As many bass as I've caught all over the country, uh, you know, big and small or whatever, you know, it's it's always that anticipation, that one second between when you've got that bite and you set that hook, you know, because you, you just do not know what's on the other end of that line. It's a, you know, a six-ounce bass or a six-pound bass. And that, that's what gets every fisherman's heart pumping right there, that one second between when that bite happens and he actually, you know, sets up on that fish and realizes kind of what he's got. And I've always said that uh, I've, I've enjoyed every bass I've ever caught. I mean, if it was a six-inch spot, you know, or a six-pound smallmouth, I mean, I... If I, you know, if I don't get goosebumps when I set the hook every time, I'm, you know, that'll be the end of my fishing. I'll, I'll go do something else. It's, it's an exciting sport, unpredictable. Uh, never know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, every every time you think you about got to figure it out that weather or, or something's going to throw a curve, you know, and you got to try to figure out what's going on. And you're, you know, it's a thinking sport. You know, you got to be thinking all the time. And uh, like I said, I think that's why everybody loves it so much. Absolutely. You know, Tom, most of us, I guess, plan our fishing trips or for those of us that participate in tournaments in advance. Walk us through really your procedures and habits that continue to produce reliability within your fishing. As far as, far as tournaments go, and even, you know, not in terms of recreational fishing, just going fishing, uh, I think you do have to be, you know, quite quite prepared for it. Uh, for me, in a tournament, um, you know, we, we know our schedule a year in advance. So, you know, the best thing, the best situation in the world, and you can't always do this because, you know, time, time is a, a factor and things are going on. We know our, our schedule a year in advance. So let's just say that I know I'm going to uh, Sam Rayburn next February, but I know it this February. Obviously, if I could go to Sam Rayburn in this February, I'm going to learn, learn a whole lot about what's going on at Sam Rayburn in February. But, you know, most, most of us can't do that. Uh, number one, without any question, is, you know, a map, a great, just a great paper map that you can actually lay down at your kitchen table and, and, and you know, physically look at it 
uh, you know, and then figure, I said, well, okay, it's going to be uh, summertime. We know the fish uh, are going to be uh, more apt to be out deeper. So that's the kind of contour lines we look at and things like that. Now, with the advent of, uh, obviously, with the, with the GPS and avionics uh, maps and everything we have now, <clears throat> has made that part of it so much easier because, you know, you can literally, uh, you got a good GPS and a good good uh, Navionics chip in there. You can you can walk down in your boat in your basement, turn that thing on, and go to go to Sam River and wherever you want to go to and look at that lake. Uh, and you know, uh, relay that information on the computer and print it out. So that's really helped. I mean, that's number one key to me. And then uh, obtaining uh, every every speck of information on the body of water that you're going to, uh, you know, like a uh, Obviously, the map, uh, just a good paper map, number one, that's going to be the uh, uh, one most important thing is, is actually seeing that body of water on a map and looking for, uh, you know, whatever time of year you're going there, whether it be summer, fall, whatever. You, you kind of know when they'll say in the fall, the fish are going to be more or less shallow, going to be moving into the creeks, you know, moving with that bait. So that's what you target on looking at on, on that map. You look at some of those big creeks and, you know that that cuts your time down uh, tremendously right there, and of course with the uh, the advent of the GPS uh, and the you know, Navionics uh, chips that we have now, uh, you know even more so with that. I mean you can look at uh, you know look at your map on your uh, GPS even from your house. You know you can you can move your GPS around to the lake and, and zoom in and really look at the lake even even on that, and then print you know print that information out. But uh, there is uh, you know. That that's number one for me. Number two would be uh, obtain every bit of information that you can can get uh, via the internet or whatever uh, other source that you can find. You know, a lot of times, of course, you know we've been around so much. I've gone to all these lakes so many times. I know people around there, and I you know I just call them before the cutoff and you know say what's going on, how's the lake, is the lake up, down, what's the water temperature. That's always very important. You know how's how's the grass in the lake this year? Did the grass is the, is the grass in good shape? Um, you know because you know how grass lakes are. The grass comes and goes, so that's one one thing you want to just just every every piece of information you can think of to ask, and that's going to cut all your time down. You know that save you one or two days practice right there. That cuts a lot sure. of information off. You can go to the lake and just you know start kind of concentrate on what you you. Uh, you think's going on there? So you know, just obtaining you know any kind of information you can get, and good maps. Uh, to me, that's the you know the most important two things uh, as far as preparation. You know, obviously you're uh, you want to get your tackle, lures, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, you go to a lake that traditionally uh, you know let's say frog fishing is really good in the fall, a lot of grass, mats, so on and so forth. You want to get that all that tackle, those rods and reels ready. Have all that stuff ready when you get to the water, where you don't have to do that, and you know just uh, that's you know as much preparation as you can. Well, how do you handle and and maybe what advice can you give us when you don't have past experience on a particular body of water or during the season at hand? Well, you know, uh, again, for me, number one is a map. Number two is getting on that internet, going to some of those internet fishing sites. Uh, getting fishing reports, past fishing reports, uh, the same time you're you're, you're going to be there, and that's uh, that's going to help tremendously, because you know you're going to you're going to you're going to know the patterns, and you know really bass fishing that's all we ever look for. We just look for patterns, you know, not specific, you know just you know, spots or holes. You know we're looking for patterns, how to pattern bass, you know, 
traditionally in Nepal is it a top water bite? Is it you know is it a shallow spinnerbait bite? So on and so forth, something like that. Whatever whatever it may be, where you uh, more know what to look for when you get there, and you're not out in the say offshore out there or fishing drops when you should be back in those pockets fishing spinnerbait. Uh, you know stuff like that. And there's a lot of information out there now. You know that just wasn't available to me in the early years, but I certainly use it now. And then, of course, if you can uh, give the uh, local tackle store a call, uh, th- those guys have a tremendous amount of, of uh, information for you. You know, they're, they're at least going to put you on the right end of the lake, you know, whether you need to be fishing shallow or deep, what, what kind of baits are best, techniques are going on, and that's going to help you tremendously. I mean, I, I, you know, I've done this all my life, and I still do that. I try to find, you know, every, every little piece of information I can, and that's a, that'll be a great help for you. Uh, especially on a, on a new body of water. Well, and that's a great point, you know, and, and given the fact that we participate in a sport that is constantly, you know, providing instantaneous on-the-water feedback, and also, you know, we live in a society that thrives on information, how do you manage as well as successfully act on that feedback and the information that you glean? Well, you know, the one thing you do have to learn how to do is, is kind of filter through uh, some of that stuff. You know, I never... I've always uh, stayed away from, like, uh, a lot of guys, you know, they might be a tournament there the day before we start, and they'll go hang around the way in and see what, what was caught, you know, and they'll hear, you know, hear some uh, information of this and that and whatever and listen to those local guys talk. Well, you know, uh, to me, that's a, that's not a good good thing. I mean, it may give you a little bit of information that you didn't have, but to be honest, you know, everybody fishes so much different, different ways and this and that. and You know, a, a local tournament there, that guy may – you know, have his five or six little video special holes that he goes and catches a few on. But you may go out there and try that and it not work. So, you know, he's just fishing his little spots. Uh, so you do have to filter through that. I mean, you know, that's an, on an individual basis. And sometimes it's not easy to do. Uh, you really, you can get caught up in the, what I call the doc talk and, uh, you know, listen to uh, this guy over here is doing that and this guy's over here doing this. The first thing you know, you're so confused you don't know which way to go. Uh, I think you're better off just using, you know, whatever whatever information you can get off of, of the map and, uh, you know, uh, you know a little bit of that information to kind of get you going. But I think you just got to – everybody's got to get on the water and, and uh, kind of kind of sift through that, that uh, you know, the only way – you know, their way they know how to do it. And uh, it is con- it's confusing. I mean, if you listen to too many people, they'll get you so confused. You get out there and you, you won't know what to do. Absolutely, and it can also be paralyzing. And, you know, our last 60 seconds, the, the final question here is, how much of a role does keeping really your mental state in check impact your results? Well, you know, at our level, Aaron, it's, uh, it's, it's huge because, you know, you got to remember that we're out there, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to make our living fishing. You know, you go out there and you don't catch any fish all, all year long. You haven't made any money and your, your family's going to suffer for it. So it's a... It's hard to keep mentally tough. You know, I've always said this um, in seminars that I do. I'll, I always believed that Rick Clum was the was the best fisherman in the world. I'll, and uh, I think, you know, he he, did, he don't win every tournament and, and this and that and whatever. But I'll tell you what Rick Clum does above every, every fisherman out there. He honestly believes he's going to catch them every time he goes. He thinks he's going to catch a bass the next time he casts out there, even though he hadn't had a bite in three hours. And uh, that's really hard to do. You know, most of us get out there and it gets tough. And we haven't had a bite in a couple, three hours. Our mind wants to wander off. And, you know, I hope my gra- uh, I hope my wife's got my grass cut at home or something. First thing you know, you get a bite and miss it. Uh, you know, I try my best to, uh, 
you know, concentrate, you know, and that's another thing, you know, like all our co-anglers that get in boats now, I tell them when they get in the boat, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not mad at you if I don't answer you or I don't talk to you much out there, but, you know, it's just, I, I purely got to concentrate on every cast I make. Uh, you know, where I'm ready, if I do get a bite, you know, especially if it's a tough bite, uh, you know, you can't get out there. You know, a recreational fisherman can because it's not going to really matter if he misses a couple of bass, you know, whatever. But uh, for us, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's probably more of a mental game, to be honest, than it is anything else because we're all on equal playing field. Everybody's got the same information, the same good equipment. Uh, and, you know, most of these guys know the, the bodies of water, so it really comes down to just, um, just mental fishing. Well, as always, Tom, great stuff. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but once again, thanks for being on the edge and uh, spending time with us here today. Thank you, Aaron. I really enjoyed it. Now you can order Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing is host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Edwin Evers, Boyd Duckett, Alton Jones, and Pam Martin-Wells. The two sets include all 25 episodes with never-before-seen footage, over three hours of bonus pro angler interviews, bloopers, and highlights. Each two-disc set is just $19.95. Call 1-888-390-8780 or order online at BassEdge.com. Man, Aaron, I love to hear Tom talk about consistency. I mean, you know, it's the hardest. To me, it can be one of the hardest things to obtain. It's one of those ideas that can not only help you in fishing, but throughout all our parts of our life. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, and and the thing that uh, he and I kind of, I guess, got a chuckle at is when I, I threw up the question, you know, I said, don't you find it ironic that, the the very thing that draws us to the sport of fishing is the unpredictability you know dealing with all of the variables and all, and all of the surprises and him kind of pointing out that you know it's that 2 seconds of that tug on the end of your line and then the fight's on yet we we get so frustrated and kind of down on ourselves that we don't have this predictability that's built into our fishing day. So it's it's a little bit of a you know six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's kind of like what do you want? Do you want the experience and the excitement, or do you want the consistency? You know, it strikes me that uh, there's sort of a an interesting conflict here. That one of the keys to being consistent as a fisherman is being willing to continually change and adjust. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. And I thought when he pointed out, you know, that one of the reasons, the main reasons that he feels that a lot of anglers, whether it be tournament anglers or even recreational anglers, you know, don't achieve kind of that consistency, that that predictability that they're looking for is because they're too busy fishing the past or they have a favorite lure, you know, that we get tied into. And uh, we box ourselves in, in and we don't give ourselves the freedom, you know, to go out there and experiment and, and kind of see what happens or make those adjustments that are necessary as the weather or the conditions change. Well, that is so true. And, I mean, you can watch these, these professional bass tournaments and see how often – a guy does not do well on his home lake. And, you know, that's always been a tough explanation for me, but I've always felt like part of it was that, that he was locked on to what he thought was going to happen, 
unlike these guys that came in with a fresh mind, able to a- uh, analyze it and quick to change. Absolutely, you know, they're they're they they have they're coming into uh, their fishing day with no preconceived notions, and you know, I think his point about how much of of his day or his routine, you know, in preparation that helped him get to winning the angler of the year, which is all about consistency, you know, comes from the standpoint that he doesn't depend solely on past information or past experience. He is always looking for something new and uh, really, you know, kind of discounts past information because he understands that, you know, the weather or the time of year, there's several factors that go into uh, the course of his day. Well, and that's true, and it's it's that kind of mindset that separates the Tom Man Juniors from the Steve Brickwoods. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, Aaron, we got a great question this week, and I'm going to throw it to you because uh, it's got a little, it's a little jiggy, and I know that's right up your uh, your alley. Question is, I've always wondered if there's certain conditions where a skirtless jig would work better than a jig with a skirt. I've always found more success in using a stand-up jig with a split tail grub with a hula skirt. And this comes to us from St. Peter's, Missouri. And I, I hope St. Peter's is the, the name of the town and not the name of the, of a, of the questioner. Well, it uh, is. you better get it right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, I, I feel honored. No pressure here. But, yes, that is from St. Peter's, Missouri. Very familiar with that town, actually. So thanks for sending that in. Uh, Steve, to answer the question directly, I have certain conditions to where I, I agree uh, with the individual that sent in the question to where I, I don't like, you know, the silicon or the uh, rubber skirt where I'll go with just a hula grub. And uh, typically that is going to be in a lot colder water. Um, you know, a lot of times in the wintertime to where they're holding on the bottom, you know, some people can come in and use a football jig and you know how much I like to use a football jig, but I have seen, uh, in that cooler water and I'm talking about, you know, water temperatures getting down into the forties, uh, that's around here, like on Lake of the Ozarks, Table Rock, those type of situations. I'll pick up that, uh, that hula grub that has, um, has just the, uh, basically the twin tail grub trailer on it. You know, usually I'll pick up like a green or a brown root beer in color and uh, just drag that around real slow with that stand-up head like he's talking about because what that's going to do is that'll elevate uh, the jig where it's not laying flat on the bottom. Rather, it's going to be kind of standing up almost at about a 45-degree angle, much like a shaky head like we've talked about before. And I just think that action of, of that, uh, you know, that rubber or that plastic um, on there gives just a completely different action. It's not quite so bulky, and I've seen it where it actually, you know, helps the bite, entices a few more bites. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the shaky head because that's just really another uh, version of a jig with a different trailer on it. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what we spoke about in the last section about uh, being consistent by being willing to to change. And, uh, you know, this... This angler here has had had success with this split tail grub, but somewhere down the line they're going to find where a jig with a, a skirt would be better. So I'd say be prepared for all three. Be quick to try them. Uh, you know the fish, you know, they'll say, and the fish will show you what they like. Absolutely, and you know that that kind of reminds me of, of back in the day when I was a kid and, and part of the club on the club scene. There was an individual like the Ozarks that was known um, quite widely for the fact that all he did was throw a hula, hula grub, much like a Chompers or a Gary Yamamoto or something like that. And he would pick that up in the winter and then uh, proceed with that all the way through into the summer and uh, he would not only fish it on the bottom but then as the fish started moving up in the water column you know you can swim that because it it provides that action and uh, a different twist there so again a versatile bait but like you said I think the key is 
don't be scared to switch it up and don't get locked in that that is going to be your savior year round. Yeah, Aaron, it looks like, uh, just looking out the window here, it looks like it might be uh, not so long till we'll be drying some of that, that colder water. <laughs> yeah, I but, hear you. Uh, but uh, we appreciate the question, and good to always hear from our folks close to home in Missouri. But, uh, Aaron, let's take a quick break here and come back and talk with Cody Robertson of the Army Bass Anglers. Finally, a safe and convenient way to access any trailer boat. Introducing the new FlexStep by MegaWare KeelGuard. Forget climbing over the sides ever again. Mount a FlexStep on the side of your trailer for easy access to rod lockers and tackle compartments with no boarding. Or bolt the high-quality aluminum FlexStep to your trailer's tongue and enter your craft without ever getting wet again. Completely flexible, great for cleaning windshields, and the hollow tube doubles as a storage area. Available at major marine centers or learn more via the web. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches Zon, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we are back on The Edge, and certainly no stranger here on The Edge, and that is Army Bass Anglers with Major Cody Robertson as he joins us today. Cody, welcome back to the show. Hey, Aaron. It's always great to be back on Bass Edge. Glad that you guys could have me on. Well, it's always a pleasure, and I'm actually I'm looking forward to kind of hearing what's been going on in your world since we last spoke. Oh, man. It's, uh, it's been busy. Uh, obviously, I came back from Iraq uh, safe and sound. Got all five fing- or all ten fingers and all ten toes. And uh, since that time, I have transitioned from the active component over to the AGR, and I'm currently the uh, G3 Chops for the Medical Readiness Training Command. I'm the guy that's in charge of all current operations for about 254 reserve medical units in the United States, and we're the training arm for the United States Army Medical Command. And uh, basically, we make sure that all of those units, just kind of put it in civilian terms for everybody out there, we make sure that all of the units that are preparing for training, which is called the ARPAGEN model, are going through the different cycles of training in preparation for their deployment downrange into theater, whether it be Afghanistan or Iraq or, or wherever the contingency is, and then bring them back home and then start them through the entire process all over again. So pretty big job, lots of responsibility, but uh, also a lot of fun and very challenging. So that's kind of what's been going on, and then obviously just uh, reintegrating back into the family and getting my feet back on the ground with the tournament fishing piece. We just wrapped up the Oakley North Texas Classic, so all good stuff and keeping me busy, that's for sure. Well, you certainly are keeping busy, and I know uh, kind of the last time that we talked uh, you had just began really the integration process you personally and and now that you've had some personal experience you know that has to really drive home kind of the purpose of army bass anglers because you know there's so many things that you guys do one is going to be integration also with the wounded warrior efforts Um, how has that been I guess going for you personally well, personally, you know, it's always a challenge to leave your family for an extended period of time. And, and we're not talking about three months here. We're talking 12, 13, 14, 15 months. It's the soldiers deployed downrange and they're away from their family. And the toughest part is not so much leaving as it is checking back in with your family because not only have you changed as an individual due to all the circumstances involving combat operations, but your family has changed as well, you know, 
Uh, I hate to say it, but things don't just, you know, stop and everything goes into pause mode while you're gone. Uh, so the family has to evolve and make the necessary changes while you're gone. So to come back together and then kind of work through all of those pieces as you try to reintegrate back into your family, get to know your children again, get to know your wife, and then kind of divvy up responsibilities again and stuff, it makes it pretty difficult. But uh, the soldiers are doing a good job of that. We've got great training programs out there called Yellow Ribbon Events to help us do that. But uh, in, in the end, it's still a challenge. Well, and speaking of that challenge, how important is that outdoors component um, you know, when speaking specifically about that integration process? Well, the outdoors piece, you know, uh, Mother Nature has a funny way of healing the body and the mind. And just being out there in the outdoors fishing and being out there with other soldiers that have gone through the same experience, you know, uh, it opens things up and, and you find yourself being healed by the simplest things, of, you know, just like fishing and being out there with other guys and being out there on a beautiful day, even though the, you know, bluebird skies aren't ideal fishing conditions, but they're great for, you know, healing the mind and the spirit uh, while you're out on the water. Well, and, and speaking of healing, we actually have a couple of events that's coming up uh, really right now as we speak. I know you're preparing um, for the, the event there at Belton. You have another one coming up on the 17th there at, at Choke Canyon. How can civilians get involved and be part of this healing process? Oh, yeah. We're definitely uh, we're in full swing with uh, Fishing for Freedom this weekend uh, down at Belton Lake. So if, if you got a chance, be sure to drop on by because we'll all be out. I think we've got seven boats on that event. It's the 9th and 10th on Belton Lake, and if there's anybody that wants to get involved, all you got to do is go to armybassanglers.com, click on the Fishing for Freedom tab, pick the event, and then uh, all you've got to do is just contact the uh, Central Texas Marine Association for the 9th and 10th event, get registered, bring your boat, come ready to have a lot of fun, and bring all your equipment, uh, and you're going to get a chance to take a soldier out and take them fishing. It's all about them. And there's great prizes. It's a great event. And then we've also got the one coming up the following weekend, uh, which is, uh, I believe, the 17th of October, uh, down on Choke Canyon, which is Fishing for Freedom, Take a Wounded Soldier Fishing. And that, that's a more of a heartfelt event. It's totally about them. Uh, I'll warn anybody out there, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, you may not get a chance to fish. Uh, but you will get a chance to take a soldier fishing. Uh, their injuries are so severe to the point that you may spend the bulk of your time helping them uh, fish. And, and I'm trying to be kind of sensitive here. Is uh, You may have to take whatever means are necessary to rig or manipulate or assist that soldier in fishing. You may have to bring duct tape to, you know, tape a rod uh, onto an extremity so that they can do the actual fishing motion, I guess, or like a jigging-type motion. Uh, you may have to help apply some sunscreen and stuff like that. You know, uh, you're going to deal with conditions all the way from severe burns to amputees or, you know, something that may not be physically apparent like post-traumatic stress syndrome or TBI, which is traumatic brain injury. Uh, that the soldier's dealing with. And it's a shorter event. It's only four hours long. But uh, I tell you, if, if you attend that event and you get the privilege of taking one of these heroes out, you're going to walk away uh, a completely different person uh, in terms of how you view soldiers and the sacrifices that they've made for their country. So 
great event. They need all the help they can get, whether it be physical support, boat support, or for that matter, funds to purchase products for the soldiers. Do whatever your heart's leading you to do, but get involved with that event. Well, certainly, Cody, I think you said it best uh, in your description there. They are heroes. All of them are heroes. And we certainly appreciate not only your efforts, but everyone's efforts uh, in helping these events put being put on and uh, certainly encourage everybody to become involved once again why don't you give us the website to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to find out more information on army bass anglers okay great no problem the website is www.armybassanglers.com and i'll use the term we say in the military all the time i say again (laughs) www.armybassanglers.com click on the fishing for freedom tab and everything you need to know about the events that's going on this weekend, the upcoming weekend, and then each year we just continue to populate that. There's more Fishing for Freedom events popping up, and we're going to have the most current information on there. And just go to that site, get involved, and do what your heart leads you to do. Well, Cody, unfortunately, I do have to get us out to a break. But before I do, I just want to say thanks to you and to all the servicemen and women across the United States and serving abroad for your continued service for protecting the freedoms that we so enjoy. Thank you so much and look forward to talking with you again soon. Hey, thanks, Aaron. We love being on Bass Edge. You guys have a great one out there. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780. I'm Diddy Brower, and you're listening to The Edge. Well, once again, we have reached the end of our time together, but so appreciate you being on board with us today. Be sure to look for Bass Edge Television, seen each and every day on the World Fishing Network. Also, log on to BassEdge.com for the latest tips from the pros and a chance to win great prizes. Also, for all of you Facebook and Twitter users out there, be sure to add Bass Edge to your friend selection. Until next time, I am Aaron Martin, and for Steve Brigman and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we look forward to seeing you next week right here on The Edge. Bass Edge has been brought to you in part by Ditch Witch, Mega Air Keel Guard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Super Start Batteries, Mother's Polishes, Waxes and Cleaners, and Legend Boats. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on... The Edge.